Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 134. We will not be stopped by Eastern Bloc voting. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, the wonderful television and film reviewer, opinion maker, and general troublemaker, Jim Shambry. I think I've just been defamed. (laughs) Thank you very much, Joyce. And to my right, as always, Mr. Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. It's been a huge week in television and television news. We, of course, on the show have Jim Shambry uh, to to give us his wonderful opinions about everything and anything. You're talking about the Big Brother double eviction, aren't you? That's that's, (laughs) that's, That's the news that has shaken... Shaking the earth to its core, surely. You, you know, the whole weekend for me was Eurovision. So, oh, okay. So I, I have no idea what's been going on with Big Brother. What was the deal with... Um, how much of Eurovision did you watch? All of it. All, all three okay. nights. Yeah. What was I'm, it with all the Amazons? All these... It was... Extra- <laughs> i got to say, it was extraordinary TV. I was actually having a wonderful phone conversation with a friend of mine in Sydney, and we were kind of doing that thing where you're watching it together. And it yep. was just an incredible array of these, you know, statuesque, blonde, Amazonian women. And Brazil's not even part of Europe. No, so, they're, they're all Scandinavian and, and buffed up and terrific and magnificent looking. And then all these, you know, weedy little guys came out dancing in flares. <laughs> it was, but it was, it was, it was quite a quite a sight. It, it was something I noticed is how Scandinavians tend to have very large foreheads. What would be the reason for that? I, I don't it's know. It's something to do with the Arctic Circle, you know, so, the evolution the man deal, you know, the cradle of civilization, you know. More, uh, more vitamin D collection. Yeah, maybe, of, yeah. Of the, uh, the, the very because rare sun coming it's out. It's dark so no, often. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with my evolution theory thing because there's a lot of, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but France, for all its high culture and art film circuits and all that kind of stuff, is actually the countryside of France is actually pitted with caves it's full of all these Stone Age relics and cave drawings. And I actually think that the French and the Europeans in general are actually closer to that end of the evolutionary scale than, <clears throat> to, for want of a better phrase, than the rest of us. So I think that this forehead deal that you're talking about might actually hark back to the fact that they are of a different evolutionary... Oh, so um, you think, you think yeah. by, by the very nature of us being Antipodean... Mm-hmm. We are boosted better. up. We're better it's, than them, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. It's, well, they're not watching. They're not, they're not. They're not watching our song contests and laughing at ours. I mean, if they saw the logies, for instance, I reckon that'll blow them out of the water. I reckon they would just give up. That's, they'd, they'd look at the logies and they'd say, "This is so classy. We can't match this." Well, because in the logies, we're not always just voting for Mother Russia. That's right. Well, it's, exactly. it's not happening. Exactly. It's not happening. You know, and 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 the, and the quality of the logies, the quality of the production, the quality of the talent, and most of all, the quality of those speeches that you get up there when people get up there after what is it, seven and a half hours, and they're still able to actually speak coherently. You know, it's just I still am stunned that the Oscars still go to air. Because they obviously haven't seen what we're doing with the Logies. If they mm. did see what we did with the Logies, they'd just give up. They'd say this is a standard we can't reach. It's, and that's why I don't even bother watching it anymore because it's too much for me to take. It's t- it's too good. 
it's it's quite possible your head will explode I th- oh, if I you watch so. the Logies all the way through. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how many? You know, the, it, the Logies raises one very important question that I don't think any other award show anywhere in the world, especially in America, has ever actually had to face, and that is. How many awards can one program get? <laughs> I mean, there must be tables. I mean, the people responsible for Blue Healers must actually have tabletops in their houses supported by hundreds of Logie Awards. They just go to Stephen Datner or whatever, the guy who does the tables. Nicholas Datner. Nicholas, sorry, <laughs> Nicholas Datner. Very good table store. They must just go, must just go down there, just get by the tabletop. You get the legs, sir. Give us a 20% discount. We'll just get the tabletop, take it home, whack it on all the blue heels <laughs> logies, and just, and just do that. The Oscars, the Oscars tried to do it with Titanic, but, that's a, but you know, that's only once. That's, that's, that's only one year. You could get what, what? 11 or 12 Oscars in one go. No. In Australia, you know, one TV show can get anything up to 3,500 awards <laughs> over the course of its, of its life. It's extraordinary. <laughs> We'll be talking about more extraordinary television with Jim Shambri. Blue Water High is one of the, one of the most Logie, Logie spangled shows. Has anybody ever watched it? Blue Water High for crying out loud. If you're on Australian television long enough, you get a Logie. And really, it's like a drinks coaster at a pub. You can turn up, you get one. Even John Wood. Even John Wood. After a- he, he ended up getting one. Yeah, I mean... He- uh, after how many years on television? Mm. A- 84, I think. Yeah. 84 years on television, finally got his own Logie. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, he, and he deserved it as well. I, my, I, I sense that by the time he got it, he was just so jack of it. It was sort of like, okay, I got it. I can get out of here now. Well, because all he's got at his house are tabletops and nothing to put and them nothing on. nothing to put them on. He's, he's sleeping on the floor. He's <laughs> taking his shoes off and he's sitting on the floor having his dinner. Not enough of woods to prop up his tabletop. Poor John Wood. Later on in the show, we're also going to talk to Mark Edwards from Ice TV to tell us everything that's been going on, good and possibly bad, with Ice TV recently. We are going to talk at length with uh, Jim Shamri about his life as a TV reviewer for print. We've got a little bit of letters to box cutters. Mm-hmm. We've got some pork. And we've got uh, an unannounced uh, appearance from a band called Whitley. That, <laughs> uh, we're, not, we're not exactly sure how bad that's going to get, but uh, if you hear music in the background, that's them playing over in the corner. They, they, are, they are playing live from Triple R tonight while we're recording this, so <laughs> it could get very loud. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Federal, what, 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 Brett? The smell of newspaper is is pervading the, the studio here. For the first time ever, I've actually brought in a story from the actual source rather than just printing it out. Mm. But from you the, can smell it. For, you can. From the Financial Review comes the uh, the story, Labor Shell's flawed plan for new TV channels. The, uh, the, the Minister of Communications, Senator Stephen Conroy, has, uh, has decided to shelve the plan for the new TV channels that we have been waiting for for how long now? It's, I, I think I, I was like 14 when this was first touted, and, uh, and, and now I'm, I'm 33. That's 19 years mm-hmm. before digital television was even a glint in uh, the father television's eye. 
So uh, Senator Stephen Conroy has has decided to shelve the TV channels uh, after concerns that uh, major policy and technical flaws could make the service unviable. Essentially, uh, what what happened when Coonan was in charge of communications for this country? They put the bill through saying that these new channels would be able to launch, but they had to reach 75% of the Australian population. Mm -hmm. Senator Conroy says that that's pretty much ridiculous, that uh, it's almost impossible to be able to do that, and also blames Coonan for putting that through just to appease National Party voters in order to get the... uh, cross-media ownership laws through. So there's a, a little bit of uh, across-the-floor uh, kind of name-calling mm-hmm. going on. If you like, Senator Coonan, Coonan has... Uh, well, she's not a senator anymore, is she? She's gone. Uh, she's, she's been saying that, uh, that uh, no, Conroy's wrong, obviously. That's what she's going to say. Pie, pie in the sky. Pie, pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. And so they don't know what's going to happen with the uh, the the new channels yet they don't know all they know is that they've got the A so band the... and the B band all right so it's it's the channels that are available for new players to come into the market here rather than the additional channels that the, the existing broadcasters can put on yes uh, no it's, it, including those oh it's the whole so lot the idea for the A band of channels yeah also confusingly called channel A. Uh, is that uh, existing broadcasters could use parts of that spectrum to produce new channels. Uh, and then Channel B would be things like mobile devices mm-hmm. uh, and community television, is my understanding of that. It's just ridiculous what's going on here. We're, we're never going to get through this. We're never going to get an answer on, on what's going on here. I, I just I can't see it happening in this country. Every time. Have you ever noticed every time anyone starts talking about a revolution in this, a revolution in that, it's going to change the way we see something, the way we experience something. Whenever that comes up, it's almost inevitable that it just doesn't friggin' happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had it with film, we've had it with TV. Remember when we were going to have 3D TV? Do you remember this? You may have been too young, but there was a time when we were going to have 3D TV. Channel, Channel 7, 7. Channel 7 had, had it. Yes, and I even remember the movie, Fort Apache. And before it's, that, there was a Three Stooges short. Yes. And everybody watched it and everyone said the same thing. Oh, it's a bit blurry. And now here we are, whatever it is, 25 years later. Do you actually know anyone any regular TV free-to-air viewer who's across all this, digital one, digital two, digital A band, B band, mobile, this mobile, people get home from from work, they have a shower, they put their feet up, they want to watch some TV. Are they really? Do you, one of the things of this whole digital thing was about how it was going to revolutionise. There's that word again. Sports coverage. This we were going to oh. get like multiple angles. We were going to get the regular sort of TV version on one band and then you could go click and then you could see a different camera angle on another band and then click and you can get the other angle and then click then the view from the airship and, and then, then click the stats the view and the stats on a separate one blah 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 and so why are they hiring a director everyone I think is <laughs> I think normal people 
I, you know, I just sort of, they heard all this stuff. They're not hearing it now because I think they're completely bored by it. But they heard all this stuff and they thought, hang on a minute. That's his job, or that's their <laughs> job to do all this, to put all this stuff together. It's not my job to direct the sports coverage. That's why I got my feet up with my beer in one hand and my pack of you know, nachos in the other. I'm watching the show. You do your job. <laughs> when did you abrogate your responsibility to produce television programs? So all this digital stuff, all this you know, futz and around that's happening, i got to say it's not really coming as a surprise to me because it's just a pattern. Every time there's some sort of revolution, sense around. Anyone too young, you guys. You guys too young. I was there, front row, earthquake, battle of midway, roller coaster. No, you don't remember this. It's just gonna change movies as we knew it. We're sitting there going, anyone feel a bit sick? There's Charlton Heston in his in his P fifty one shooting at the Japanese. What's going on? Where's all that noise coming from? These were the super sense-around bass speakers that they had installed that were supposed to enhance the experience. It enhanced the experience, all right? We couldn't keep our popcorn down. You know? See, and my, that was another revolution. My know? problem, Jim, is as early adopter, when mm. I first heard that, uh, that we were going to have all these different channels, mm. I bought myself a switching desk mm-hmm. for, for the home. I bought myself a switching desk. I, I, I bought myself a, an array of televisions mm-hmm. and uh, and a headset, so I could say, "Ready, camera one, go, camera one. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, camera three, go, camera three. And now, it's now I look like a putz. That's right, because I've got all of this equipment and nothing to do with it. Well, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience. I have a very good friend who's across all this stuff, and he has access to all these other channels and all these wonderful services, extra services that you get. And basically, it's the the huge complex digital equivalent of just picking up your friggin' weekly film guide or a TV program guide and seeing what's on and what's on. Or now you can actually get it on your TV. You can click this, you can click that, and then you enter this code and that code, and you go to that function there, and it's F Alt Eight, boom, boom. And look, after all this twenty minutes of futzing around, it gives you a paragraph synopsis of what the program you've just missed because you've been doing all this button pushing. You know, it's nuts to me. I mean, again, this stuff is not user-friendly. They haven't sold it well at all. The reason why it's, it's, it's up the duff like this is because no one cares. No one's well, it's, interested. It's always been bad planning. Like, mm. the, the government decided that it was their job to plan this thing. When, you know, a, a long time ago, the government decided that it wasn't their job to run an airline. It wasn't their job to run banks. It wasn't their job to do any of these things that were actually bringing money into the government. But it is their job somehow to run television? Mm. Where, where does that come from? Well, that actually goes back to Richard Alston when he was communications minister. Alston! Uh, who uh, basically Australia picked up uh, the system of digital TV that nobody else in the world did, which has kept the prices of the hardware up for us, um, which was to placate the existing media owners at the time. Media owners. (laughs) I'm just, I'm angry at everyone uh, over this. And meanwhile, Senator Conroy has also uh, come out talking about Foxtel and saying that he is going to look at Foxtel and the easy ride they've been given by not having to meet local content rules, which I think is is fair enough, but is also going to keep quite a strong stranglehold on the anti-siphoning laws, mm-hmm. which uh, essentially I think is a, a you know a anti-competitive 
scenario. Well, I did see an article over the weekend, over the week, saying that uh, cable in New Zealand, um, where they don't have the anti-siphoning laws, uh, have been actually uh, buying up sports rights and not showing them. And so it's it's the sports fans the, that are the losers. So See, which it, way which way do you want to go? Well, I, I the the one thing I like about the anti siphoning laws that we have at the moment are the use it or lose it scenario, mm. where uh, if the if the free to air networks do not take up the rights, or even if they do take up the rights but don't show it, then uh, then those events should be open to all comers. Of course. Uh, the issue there being, you know, an obvious point uh, is the French Open. When was the last time we saw the French Open on Australian television? And Who yet, has the rights? Well, it, no one buys the rights, but it still hasn't been opened up for okay. Foxtel to take that on. And I, I think it's it's fair enough. If I mean, the, the whole idea of cable television is that it is specialised television, that people who have special wants, needs, it's the long-tail approach to television, and it makes sense in, in a new market to have both approaches to television. And if there are things like the French Open that people do want to watch from midnight to 6am live, then, yes, they can go out, pay the money, get a Foxtel subscription, and... and Becoming insomniacs to their heart's content, and that's that's the possibility here. But it's uh, it's just not being played out that way. That's uh, anyway. That's my two cents. I don't have cable, so you're looking at me. Yeah, you don't have cable. No, I don't have it. I don't have. I don't have it. And believe me, if I if there was a reason to get it, if there was something special on it that I actually mm-hmm. needed, if there was a, a movie channel or a TV channel that was actually getting me stuff or delivering me stuff that I couldn't get on DVD or on import, mm-hmm. um, I'd, I would have signed up to it uh, uh, you know, long ago. You mentioned early adopter. Look, i got to confess, I'm a sucker for... I am an early adopter and I'm an idiot for it. I have spent so much money on getting the first new fangled thing. I've still got a DVD player. Um, at my house, it's like about six inches thick. It's incredible. It's oh, like yeah. the first. It's the size of a first generation microwave. <laughs> um, I was one of the first people. And what to you get, pay for it? Uh, the first, the first DVD player I got, which I was actually using that night to see Taxi Driver, because I saw Taxi Driver on DVD, and I thought I'm going to see this thing. Hang on, I don't have a DVD player. I bought one just to watch <laughs> Taxi Driver. Um, it cost me about four hundred and fifty bucks. And I also, bargain. yeah, yeah I, bargain. I, I, this, my this, first one. Thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred bucks. Okay, I can I can out stupid you. you okay, <laughs> don't, don't us, you have Jim? Don't don't you have a pneumatic tape player? Just, just hang on a minute. <laughs> just, just hang on a moment. I don't, but I remember them. I was nearly injured by one. <laughs> just hang on a second. Um, and I also bought a Dick Smith DVD recorder when they first came out. This thing, I swear to God, somewhere in there is a steam engine. It just, <laughs> I, I never heard I never heard a piece of digital technology wheeze. You know, the, <laughs> you put a thing, a disc in there and you hit the record function thing, save, whatever, and it would make these strange noises. I still have it. It actually doesn't quite work the way it's supposed to. That was 450 bucks. Now you can pretty much get a DVD recorder when the lights change. Um, they cost almost nothing. Yep. But in terms of absolutely spending way too much money 
just for the sake of being an early adopter. You know these little cute little DVD players that you can, you know, you carry around, you yeah, whack yeah, them yeah. in your backpack Portable, or whatever. Yeah, screen you know, yeah, exactly. Up. You go yeah. on a plane or whatever, you, you're traveling to, traveling to Brisbane rather than listening to the crap they've got on or watching the infomercial about, you know, air accident rates or whatever it is they show. Um, you know, you take on a little DVD player and you watch a DVD. Well, I, I was so enamored by these things. I was so in love with the idea of, oh, portable DVD player. Like, that's small. That is so cute. It's lovely. Yeah, I bought one. Shinko. S-H-I-N-C-O. 1200 bucks I paid <gasps> for this thing. I know. Call me an idiot. It's okay. And, I'll take it. And, because it was, it was and, stupid. And let, let me guess, it was a load of Shinko? <laughs> uh, listen, if I'd have known that we were going to talk about this, I would have brought it in and I would have shown you what state, it's, what state it's in. It kind of, sort of, after about 15 minutes, will play a DVD. But if you open up the flap and look at the screen, it's got a huge crack in the crystal quartz screen. That's a result of me pounding on the <laughs> damn thing when it wouldn't work. <laughs> So, and, and now, of course, you go down to Dick Smith. I think I saw one on sale today at JB for 99 bucks. Probably a much better model. Obviously a lot sturdier than the um, piece of junk I got. But, uh, yeah, so on the one hand, you know, I sort of joke about iPods and all how do you get the music into the little box kind of deal. But, you know, having said that, I have, I have to confess that, you know, if You've a piece it. of technology actually looks like it's going to be interesting and useful to me, I will actually spend you now the extra coin and actually buy it. Only to then find out later, you know, completely predictably, six months later, that, you know, it's it's a, a, a third or a fifth the price that I paid for it. And so you've, you've never seen a need for, for cable television? Because when, no, when cable started yeah, 11 or 12 yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, I know. there was Larry Sanders show, there was Taxi, there were, there were things that we couldn't get. Well, DVD yeah. wasn't really allowed. Well, I'd seen around. Taxi. I'd seen and, Taxi. I'd yeah, seen but I, Taxi. But I hadn't. Yeah, and, and, and the Larry Sanders show. See, a lot of this stuff turns up on TV as well. I was watching Larry Sanders on Channel 10 late at night, admittedly. Mm. And cut to shreds. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, so you can see all this stuff. And the movie stuff, you know, you look at the MX uh, newspaper each night and they always have the, the cable guide. And you look at these movies and you go, why would anyone rush home, you know, to, to make a 7.30 screening of Free Willy 2? I mean, that wasn't a very good movie. And you did have to see the first one in order to follow the second one. But what, you know, why am I going to th- Prime with Meryl Streep? Why am I going to rush home to see that? If I want to see it, I'll go down to the DVD store and, uh, you know, get that and, you know, a couple of other films for 10 bucks. So what about things like Dexter and Entourage? See, these are great shows as well. They're on DVD. See, I think what's happening, this is just my theory, but I actually think that the DVD market is still something that, I don't think newspapers are reflecting very well, and we've really got to get on the ball, but I think people are changing the way they watch TV. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a for instance. Um, Dexter's a really good example. Entourage is a good example. You hear about these shows from other people, from people whose opinions you trust, and you go, gee, that sounds good. Like Battlestar Galactica, for instance. Mm-hmm. i still got to catch up with that show, and I'm going to catch up with it. But now, thanks to DVD, you can either hear about a great show from trusted, pe- from trusted sources mm. Or you can catch a couple of episodes on TV, go, wow, this is something else. Then when the box set comes out, you buy the box set and you spend a weekend or two, uh, across two weekends, you watch the whole show. And so I think people are now watching TV in a different way. They're actually watching TV in a long form format, if that makes any sense. They will actually watch 
a whole disc of Seinfeld. They'll watch two hours of Seinfeld in one sitting or they'll watch five episodes of Lost in one go because it's now there and it's available to them. Not only that, but, uh, and this is another case of uh, early uh, me being an early adopter, thanks to home projectors and uh, home theatre systems, I think a lot of people are actually now watching TV shows on DVD on their home theatres, so they're actually experiencing it in a different way. I mean, watching some... Because some of these TV shows are really well produced, even shows that you might not have ever thought of watching. For instance, there's a show called Atlantis SG-1, mm-hmm. which is some yes. spin-off... Stargate. It all came from the Stargate movie, and then it, uh, it turned into one TV series, and now it's, it's transmogrified into this thing. I was actually watching that a couple of weeks ago, and I've got to tell you, the standard of the special effects in the first 15 minutes was... Revenge of the Sith. It was absolutely fantastic. And I'm watching this on my, you know, my admittedly large television set. But I thought, you know, if I saw this on special on DVD, I'd actually pick this show up. It actually looks fantastic. The production standards. Um, I know it's an American show, so it's squillions of dollars per episode. But it looked really great. Now, you pump that through a home theater system. You know, you put it through your 5.1. You know, it's a whole new experience. It's fantastic. Jim, so I, you- I, I want to pick, pick this up with you later. But... Sure. Brett, two news items quickly, because we're, we're, <laughs> we're running time. out of time in the news. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Chaser have been approached to uh, create a pilot for the US out of uh, their uh, infamy that they've garnered <laughs> around the world. Hey, from, hey, uh, hey, let's see and break some security cords over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, over the Apex security breach, they're in early talks to shoot a pilot for the Fox Network in the US of A. Yes, they'll shoot a pilot <laughs> and then they'll probably get shot themselves. Uh, there are questions about uh, whether they're going to be able to retain creative control over uh, the concept um, and uh, if they'll be doing it or if they'll get a, a local team in there to do it. Um, also, uh, advertisers are pulling ads from the footy show. Well, of, uh, The Age, uh, it's, it's something that The Age could possibly be proud of, uh, Jim. The, the Age has pulled ads from the footy show, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is uh, amazing. And so is the uh, ANZ Bank. Yep. Uh, which is is great because in a time when the only people that networks will listen to are advertisers, mm. they're pulling uh, advertisers are, are pulling money, and I, you know, for the age, I think the age just wins either way because I don't think they're going to convince footy show watchers ever to subscribe to the age. Mm. I, that's just never going to happen. Uh, the, uh, the but the ANZ Bank. A huge advertiser on Channel Nine, and uh, there's there's also been uh, conversations with high level Channel Nine execs from uh, representatives of Crazy John's. Really, yes, that's another huge uh, advertiser. Now that's a company uh, owned seventy five percent by uh, John Elhan's widow, Patricia. People are getting tired of the show. Yeah, pe- people are getting people tired are just, of the show, and, and yeah. tired and tired of, of that attitude as well. I think. Mm. And I mean the the recent thing, the Carolyn Wilson thing. Yeah, I think people just saw just so saw through that. It was so transparent. Just once that, just the double standard they were operating on. Oh, we didn't know he was going to do that. What? Oh, jeez! No, it's, it's it was bullshit. a complete. It was a complete surprise. Yeah, this totally produced and scripted segment. Oh, I'm the host of the show, and I didn't know he was going to do that. Bull. You know, yeah, and people just saw through it. So when he then apologised, it was so phony. Um, I think people are just tired of all this stuff now. 
I think you're right. There's also talk, uh, nothing confirmed, that uh, one of the production staff have resigned from the show uh, in the fallout from the Carolyn Wilson stunts. Wow. Uh, who worked primarily with Trevor Marmalade, who's uh, Trevor the Bar on the mm. show. Uh, no longer there. Wow. Mm. It's, uh, it's big things afoot at the footy show. Um, um, How long now? Just, just after they, uh, they won the most popular footy show, Logie. Oh, they got a Logie in it. Oh, no, you're joking, really? No, yeah. Did that show get a Logie? Footy show got a Logie. Well, wow, that's, that's surprising because it's only been on there for how long? But they did get booed. And they beat the NRL. Oh, well, yeah, sure. but yeah, they yeah. but they did get booed, which yeah. was uh, no, I know I remember that was, which was that was actually impressive. that was actually a highlight of this year's logies. They got to get these um, they got to get these packages together. They got to get a, like a logies highlights package deal. I'm Unless sure I've can, missed it, I'm not sure you can put five minutes of footage on a DVD and so. No, I reckon they, were, I mean, they should. They should. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, of, of I, all of the Logie shows, the like his, oh yeah, I mean, you had the Michael Cole thing going way back. And the Muhammad Ali thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. I reckon you could put together a really good two and a half, three hour show and just bring it right up to date. I mean, if and there's then, any way to sort of boost interest in the Bob Hope show. saying "Welcome to the Logies" or as they call it at my house, Passover. Yes. Oh wait, <laughs> that, no, that's the Oscars. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! We can we can we can work that. Can I just make just a quick note, just with the Chaser guys? Seriously, they do some really, really good stuff. They do some really good edgy stuff. They do push the boundaries and they get away with a lot of stuff here that I reckon is going to be very interesting to see how it plays in America where the degree of tolerance and that good old Aussie attitude I don't think is going to play. I mean, I know that they these charges were dropped over the OPEC thing they might never admit it, but I reckon they were absolutely wiping their brows after that, going, "Phew, that was close." Mm. Let's see how they, um, how far they can push it in America, where they are a little, uh, a little less tolerant of um, of this sort of mucking around, and a lot more armed. Oh <laughs> yes. uh, well, this is the other thing too. We can talk about snipers, you know, uh, at the OPEC thing, looking over things. Over in America, their trigger fingers are a little bit more, how can one say, trained. You know, they're a little bit more, you know. The, the, you it, know itchy. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Itchy. But uh, it reminds me of uh, John Safran in the compound with the uh, Ku Klux Klan saying he wanted to be a member and then saying, I'm Jewish. I don't like yeah. Jews. I don't want to become a member. <laughs> that was actually, that was, that was, a, that was a great, that was yeah, a great was segment. Very... That's a, see, that's, that's another example. I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic, but just quickly. See, that's on his DVD as well. That is a great show yeah. uh, to watch on DVD. Why Saffron hasn't done another show since I know he does this wonderful Father Bob show Sunday night. Well, apparently he has been over in LA working with yeah. uh, producers he's, over there. He's working yeah. on, a, on a project that he can't talk about, Yeah, which uh, I, I'm looking forward to whatever that is. I just hope he gets something out soon because I think it's really good and it's been too long. Yeah, anyway, yeah, it's I'm, time. I've gone off topic. That is the Box Cutters News. My name's Wilbur Wild. When I cut boxes, uh, well, it's actually usually for recycling night, you know, when the, the yellow bin goes out. But Box Cutters, you'll know all about it. And now joining us on the Box Cutters telephone, we have Jim Shambry in the studio with us. On the phone, Mark Edwards from Ice TV. How are you, Mark? Going very well. Hello, Josh and, and, and Brett and Jim. How are you going? Evening, good. Hi, mate. Now... Uh, I see a few weeks ago in the in the news we talked about uh, Ice TV losing the appeal yes. that uh, that Channel Nine launched after they had won the the court case because judges knew exactly what they were talking about. It's the court case that never ends. <laughs> yes. Now, so, so can, can you explain this this appeal to us? Why has that happened? 
I, like, I can try. I'm, I'm obviously not really that involved in the legal side of things. Um, however, we, we obviously won the, the initial case. Um, there's been... Sorry, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. The, the initial... The appeals, they're obviously gone to uh, higher... Actually... <laughs> I really, I'm not doing too well. No, that's all right. It's it's gone. It's gone to an appellate court. It's gone to a a higher court. court. And it's obviously, it's the next stage is to either go to the the high court or um, there should be the actual judgment will be handed down by um, Justice um, Bennett. Who handed down the original judgment? Yes, yes. So it's it's based on the information provided by I can't remember the exact names, but there was another three judges from the appellate court. But but in the, in this scenario where it's going to go back to the original judge who who made the judgment, isn't it just going to be that this Judge Bennett is is going to say, uh, well, actually, no, I, I was right, and I don't know what these three people are talking about. It, you know, is is there the hope that it's going to go that way for you? Um, it, it's very hard to say, but the, the, my understanding of the legal system is it, obviously the at each level. Um, each level can overrule the level below it, and, and obviously we have three three very high high powered judges here. So it's I think it's unlikely that the the appeal wouldn't carry a considerable amount of weight. So I think it's I think it's unlikely that this we'll see the end of this for quite some time. What does it do to uh, Ice TV as far as operating costs and uh, being able to to launch new products and uh, and, and get marketing? Material out there and, and get the message out there when you're faced with a, a bill of te- paying Channel Nine's legal fees. Well, firstly, I, th- I think this is certainly far from over. So I, I don't know that we, although we that we realise that is that is a possibility. I, I don't think that's set in concrete. So we're certainly, and there's been a, obviously a, a dark cloud looming for quite some time. So that's that's something that we we just deal with every day. But in terms of Growing the business and releasing new products—that's that, all fine. It's just business as usual. So there's, although it does sound like bad news, it's um, it's the business is obviously obviously still running legally and it's everything's everything's great, everything's fine. So it's there's there's certainly a lot of a lot of positive things we're doing. Right well, now. well, yeah, I, I get the uh, Ice TV updates, yep. and yep. Uh, and now with uh, with. Foxtel's IQ2, which is the HD IQ yes. uh, digital recorder, and with uh, TiVo uh, this week was uh, announced that uh, it will be launching probably in July. Yep, 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 uh, to make, make it in time for the Olympics. That's right, because it, it is a Channel 7 product, essentially. Yes. Uh, but uh, Ice TV have just released something that will also bring Ice TV... Uh, connected DVRs a lot closer to, to the TV, TiVo model that uh, we know and love? Yeah, we've had, we've had uh, remote recording for, for quite some time, and because it's all web-based, it means we can add features quite quickly. So we've had web-based remote recording, serious recording. Recommendations is fairly new for us, so that means based on what you're recording, other things will be recommended to you, um, which works brilliantly. That's, that's been a joint venture with uh, another company called Recommendation Ventures. And so, so will that recommend and and record it for you automatically if there's room on the hard drive? We we haven't we haven't set it up so it records automatically, but it's, it'll be part of your t- your very own TV guide. There's a something we've got called um, My Shows, 
and that, that just becomes part of my show. So in your TV guide, you'll see the things you're recording, the things that you've set as favourites, and also there's little stars next to things we, we think you'll like, and if you don't like them, you just tell them to go away, and if you do like them, you can hit record. So it's, it's all part of that. That's, we, we have that working on several different products now because obviously we work with more than one box. TiVo's, TiVo's one box in a service. We've, we've got the, what, it's what we call interactive working on several different PVRs now, uh, as well as PC-based media centres and, and Macs. So, so actually giving people a choice. That's yeah, not the yeah, Australian well, way, Mark. That's, that's not the way we do things for television here. It's, it's not. It's not. But um, there's, there's obviously a lot of good products out there on the market, so we just, we just try and work with different manufacturers to enable them to be even bigger and better. So it, it is good. It's provided <laughs> we can stick around for a while. There's going to be... Um, Hopefully, a lot of a lot of TiVo competitors that are at least as good, if not better. How have uh, have prices uh, have prices come down for for DVRs and, and PVRs? For, I think we we spoke to you about a year ago, yep, and yep. Uh, and and things were still pretty expensive. Uh, and uh, in this market, things do tend to get cheaper. As Jim was saying earlier, that uh, that DVD exactly, players exactly. Uh, now, you know, essentially they're giving them away with uh, illegal copies of Underbelly. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I haven't looked... I, I've got Foxtel IQ, as, as you know, and uh, I haven't looked into the DVR realm for quite a while. What would I be looking at now? For, for a top-of-the-line Beyond Wiz, which is considered to be, right now, the best PVR in Australia, you're probably talking, for the non-Wi-Fi version, which is the cheaper one, you're looking at um, sub-900 easily. Right. So, and it's certainly dropping. It's, I'd say by the end of the year that'll be even lower. Definitely, definitely. And so. uh, Brett was saying earlier that because we got a, a dodgy version of digital television, uh, that all of our digital television products are, are just hyper expensive. Is, is that one of the reasons that uh, DVRs are, are so much cheaper elsewhere? We're all based on the, the DVB-T standard, which is the same as, as a lot of Europe. So it's um, I'm, I'm not technically minded enough to know exactly how... Ours might be crippled or not, <laughs> but but I know a lot of the products that we um, that we sell are obviously based in parts of Europe, you know, German manufacturers, UK, whatever, and they're sold across the world, including Australia. Obviously, not the US because that's um, NTSC and ATSC. Yep. So, but but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not really aware of that. I mean, there is certainly uh, play, Sony's PlayStation Play TV that will be for the the UK and the Australian market. And we'll actually get it before the US. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, which is quite weird. Although the US is obviously... There's a lot of cable TV. There's not so much free-to-air. Mark, can I ask you uh, just a, a general question? I'm very interested in how this whole thing is playing out from the point of view of a small company that's trying to do something innovative and something that actually speaks to an emerging entertainment technology. Yep. All this stuff about court cases and appeals and appeal on, appeals on appeals and appeals on appeals on appeals and uh, you say there's you, there's no end in sight, it'll go on and on and on. You're trying to get presumably a good idea out there to a market. How is all this playing to you? Do you see the other side's point of view? Do you think that they have a valid case that they are trying to defend or does this sort of fall into that pattern of just corporate obstructionism that we so often see and often read about in John Grisham novels. 
I, I absolutely see the reason from, for it from a corporate standpoint. It's, um, it's, it's very defensive. That's, that's, that's great. That's, that's their position. And obviously it's, it's up to the, the law to decide what, what isn't, isn't okay. And I guess that's where it obviously in a very grey area. So that's, that's why we need someone to step in and, and determine that. Um, I, I think obviously for, for Australia it would, be, it would be a shame if we didn't end up with some kind of to just to, to to clarify none of these devices can work without an electronic program guide so if we end up with an electronic program guide that is either completely controlled by the stations or we don't end up with one well we're very much in the danger of, of not actually getting these products and that's that's really that's that's quite a shame i mean we'll, we'll definitely be 10 plus years behind the rest of the world if we end up in that in that situation so yeah is there a similar product like this elsewhere in america in britain europe yeah strangely enough the um the tv stations are are quite happy to sell their tv guide to to almost anyone i think provided you've got the money and there's um there's usually a company that that aggregates the tv guides and that's that's their job they buy the they buy the guide data and then they they send it off to to people like tivo tivo actually buy it from from another company in the u.s so it's it's all i mean it's it's certainly certainly worked out. So essentially, what you're trying to do is sort of bring the local market sort of in parallel with with what's happening overseas. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. But finding yourself tied up in courts and appeals and appeals and appeals and appeals and appeals and appeals. That's that's right. That's right. It's, it's a shame. It's um, it's it's very messy and it's like I said, it, it kind of it does it does put a, put a dampener on things. But I tell you what, if if there wasn't good motivation to get passionate about this stuff, then if that isn't, then I don't know what is. It's, it's certainly, um, it, it's bizarre. There's, there's certainly a culture now at Ice TV. It's, 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 it's not just this is a job. We've, we've got these cool things that we need to get out to the market. It's, it's, it's now. It's, it's very, it's very personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, you know, there's people trying to stop this from actually happening in Australia. So it's, there is definitely a feeling that that what we're doing is actually hopefully going to benefit people beyond just a business trying to make money. Is is there uh, already, or I mean, obviously there's a need for, but I was wondering, is there already a, a television users group, lobby group? Not, not that I know of. I mean, I know there's been... There's been several letters sent to Senator Conroy. There's been... There's certainly... We've, we've had a lot of support from customers. Um, I'm not aware of anything that's that's highly organised, and um, I certainly wouldn't want to start something like that personally because, obviously, there's a conflict of well, yes. interest. But, but, yeah, I'm not aware of anything. Just a lot of individuals. But, but, but it's it's maybe something that the uh, box cutters listeners could get behind. Hey, if they want to, that would be that'd be fantastic. Uh, because I mean, you've been on this show talking about how you don't want to be the only, like ICB doesn't want to be the only player in the market. That this should be a market that is opened up to competition, so that, uh, Absolutely. that Absolutely. So you can push each other and and keep trying to produce better product. That's what a competitive market's supposed to do. Definitely, definitely, and, and, and it, it would be actually great to have some competition. I mean, I think I think where personally where we're at is we've we've got some great products, and I'd, I'd love to see someone try and beat them, and then I'd love to try and beat what they do. It's it's yeah, it would be good, but it's clearly I don't think anyone is stupid enough to to try and start up ice tv version 2 or another company 
right now because obviously they'd um they'd end up in court too. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, that's that's the huge shame. So uh, you know what? In in the coming weeks, I'll try to uh, work out a, a list of addresses that people can send letters to if they're uh, if they're concerned about this scenario. I'm, I'm very much concerned about this scenario. We've talked a lot on Box Cutters about opening up the television medium. Earlier on in the show, we were talking about uh, how ridiculous it is that uh, the government is regulating it so heavily right now, uh, especially with the, the transition to, to digital. I think there's a, a lot for Box Cutters listeners to, to get upset about and write letters about. Definitely, definitely. It's. I mean, even if it was provided for free as part of the, the broadcasting terms, I, I think that's something the government could definitely do. But obviously, I, I can understand why they, they wouldn't want to step in until such a point that it it was it was needed. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we look forward to, uh, to to the next instalment in the uh, in the Ice TV saga. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for, for joining us on on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for the phone call. How did, how did you get Linda Blair on the program? <laughs> that's that's an endorsement and a half. That's brilliant. That's great. Jim Shambry, you are, of course, television reviewer with uh, The Grand Guide. Yeah, it's part of, of the, the age. Yeah, it's one of the things I do. One yeah. of the many things you do. Mm. You're, you're a very busy man. You're a novelist and you're a, a children's author and, uh, and, and you're also a TV critic, mm. uh, which is extraordinary. How did you get started as a TV critic? Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something here. Yeah, I'm gonna give you something here. I think we all have our standard definition of what a nerd is. Mm. Okay, this one might reset the bar. Okay, <laughs> you know how you know you're in primary school and there's a, the inevitable moment where the teacher goes around and says, "What do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be?" And you'll stand up and. I want to be a fire engine. I want to. Oh, I want to be a fire, fire, fire. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a fire engine. Yeah, we, we had LSD back in the seventies. So, um, <laughs> in primary yeah. schools, you know. But you know, one kid would say, "I want to be." One kid would say, "I want to be a firefighter." Another kid would say, "I want to be a policeman." I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Whatever. Well, when they came to me, I literally said, "I want to review television programs <laughs> for a magazine," <laughs> and that was. And you know, I was I was still in high school. Early high school at the time, and that was actually the motivation for me to actually get into journalism. My first job was as was as a copy boy at TV Week magazine, which to me was the it was a, an early highlight in my life. I couldn't believe I was inside that office because I was in love with TV Week magazine as I was growing up in my teens. I just thought it was the the greatest thing. And when I actually shook hands with the editor Tony Johnson, who unfortunately passed away from cancer a short while ago. Um, it was it was a dream come true. I couldn't believe I was in his office shaking his hand, and I wanted to review. To, I wanted to write about television. I was so I grew up on TV. I'm part of the TV generation, and that's I don't think you can get a a more hardcore definition of someone from the TV generation. You know, his ultimate ambition as a child was to review TV programs. So now, at the other end of uh, or in in midlife now. When uh, I start grumbling to myself, oh God, you know, it's you know, I don't have to do this uh, review, and I could just, you know, uh, I could make an excuse or whatever because it's all, them, you know, I don't get paid extra for the stuff I do for Green Guide. I do it because I love it, and I have to remind myself 
this is what you actually wanted to do. You actually do enjoy doing it, and I do enjoy doing it. I love doing it. I love television in all its forms, in all its multi-headed, contradictory, stupid, hypocritical, crazy, upside down, through the looking glass ways. I love TV. It is so multifaceted. It is so crazy. It's so wonderful. It's so stupid. It's so smart. It's so dumb. It's so highbrow. It's so lowbrow. I just think it's fantastic. I, I love TV. So with that and with what you were saying before about uh, if something's on DVD, then you'll just get it on DVD rather than... I'm saying that that's now another option. Well, that, yeah. that is that another enhances, option. It enhances TV. Except that if it wasn't for TV, these shows wouldn't actually... If it wasn't for the channels, mm. these shows wouldn't be made no, exactly, to, to exactly, start with. Exactly. It, it's a very... I'm finding this a, a very hard seesaw to, to balance because, on the one hand, I'm exactly like you. I want to watch Lost seven hours in a row, mm. uh, and I've just ordered the first three seasons from Amazon because mm. they, they've released them as a, a box set over in the States, and I can't wait to get them and then just spend a weekend watching mm. as much Lost as I can fit into a weekend. Mm. Uh, and also, in the early days of... Uh, uh, of Lost, when it started, I was downloading the torrents. Mm. Uh, that's still happening. I'm still eager to get the shows mm. before before yeah. they're, they're shown here yeah. because I need to see them straight away. Sure. Just, just to clarify what I was saying before, I think the DVD market, the, the DVD format, or the Blu-rays it's now going to inevitably yep. become, enhances, can enhance your... TV viewing experience whereby you continue to watch TV and you continue to consume television as you normally do but now in addition to that you actually have this other option you actually have this other dimension to it now wherein in a previous era we would watch Happy Days or we would watch I Love Lucy we would watch a TV show and pretty much once it was off the air that was it you had to wait for reruns or whatever now you can still wait for the reruns, but you also have the option of spending a little money and actually buying the box set. You can actually own the show and watch it whenever you want in as, in as, in as large a quantity or as little a quantity as, uh, as you like. I think that that's fantastic. And again, of course, it all springs from TV. It's not going to replace it. Of course you need television. Uh, but I'm just saying it's another, it's another uh, dimension to the TV experience. I mean, I love, you know, I mean, again, just uh, I'm out nerding everyone in this room right now. But uh, you know, I can I can I can watch a disc of The Simpsons. I can watch a disc of um, of uh, you know of almost almost uh, Seinfeld. I can watch a disc of Taxi. I love getting these old shows. I mean, shows also shows that we don't we've never gotten here like the Jeffersons. Yep, we never actually got that show here. No, because we, because we already we already had All in the Family. That's right. And then we had Kingswood Country. That's right. So, but we, but we never got that wonderful offshoot from All in the Family. We got Maud. Yes, which hasn't come out on DVD, which I want to come out on DVD because that was such a groundbreaking show the way it dealt with abortion and the way it dealt with racism and various other uh, other issues we never got the jeffersons out here but you can get it on dvd though i haven't yet but it's uh, a bookmark that i, I got to get it just to, just to see what that show was my about. Uh, my next major dvd uh, television purchase is the box set of twilight zone the old the rod serling twilight Ooh, zone box the whole set. thing yeah it's the whole the thing. whole thing the whole thing would be you'd have to take like a, a week off work for that it's I, that'd be i'm trying to organize the time now mm. but what i what i also want to and i haven't found this it's the original versions of the alfred hitchcock presents mm. 
uh, TV show. I haven't found that on on DVD yet. And I don't know that there is something dodgy going on with who has the rights to that. Well, it's like with Batman. I mean, why hasn't the Batman TV series come out? I've asked about this and I've inquired. You can get, you know, uh, bootleg versions of it Mm -hmm. on DVD like you can with a lot of other shows. But the reason why they haven't just spruced it up and just released the damn thing because of all the Batman movies is because of some licensing imbroglio who owns what and what owns who and, and all the rest of it so that's sort of kind of sitting there waiting to come out but hopefully you know i mean inevitably it has to come out we can't just keep watching that damn movie again with a shark repellent joke yes you know i think we've, but, i mean i've seen that a million times now I've, i want the show back you know the uh the, in one of my uh visits to uh to the united states there was a, a channel that was showing uh Shows that were cancelled before their time, mm. uh, and one of those was the Ernie Kovacs show. Uh, I, I want to get a, a, a box set of excellent shows that never made it, or yeah. uh, you know, were, were shown once and then taken off air. And mm. I think there's a, a true market for that. For that absolute yeah. cult, you had to be their show. Can I give you a recommendation? Do you know of this Robert Altman TV series called Tanner 88? I, I do. I, the the election. The, yeah, this is uh, he made it in the in the the late 80s during the uh, the Dukakis uh, it, run. It was like the forerunner yeah. to Bob Roberts. The, yeah, the well, yeah, yeah, well, basically, yeah, and it was also the uh, an early taste of what reality TV was going to be. This is way before anyone had coined the phrase. This is an extraordinary friggin' show. I got it on DVD on import because I'm a huge Robert Altman fan. This was the one hole in my viewing experience of his work that I had never seen. So I thought, damn it, I'm going to get this damn thing. I got it. It is extraordinary stuff. It only ran for the one season. There's only about, I think, 11 or 13 episodes on it. They wanted to go, they wanted it to continue. They just thought, well, you know, he can become an independent. We can just keep developing this. It never got picked up, unfortunately. They did a catch-up TV movie in 2004, I think, where they sort of did a little retrospective thing Mm -hmm. where the girl had grown up. Cynthia Nixon, the girl from Sex and the City, plays his daughter. Michael Murphy is the Democrat candidate. and Michael Murphy from the Woody Allen Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, And he basically plays a Democratic candidate who's, who's who's running for office. And part of the show, it's been overplayed, but part of the show is that he actually does meet and greets and he talks with real politicians and so on. So there is a nice sort of docudrama sort of feel to it. But it is a scripted, structured show directed by Robert Altman in his style. And it is extraordinary. Um, and that's that's something I would I would add to your list. In fact, well, you don't have to buy it. I'll lend it to you. Oh, thanks. Oh, you can do it. Burn. <gasps> oh, no. Oh. You've broken the law. Oh, oh, here come the feds. They're going to get me. <laughs> no, don't burn. Don't burn. Don't that's... illegally download either. No. Okay, good. No one's going to do it now. Cause no, I said it. no. And don't, don't, don't buy copies of Underbelly from Caribbean Gardens. They're giving them away when the lights change too. Uh, yeah. Have you met anyone who hasn't seen that show? That's, I said I said on the show a, 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 a while back that I I know I know when things have hit mainstream oh when the guy who makes my sandwiches in the who makes my toasted sandwiches in the morning is talking to me about how he had seen more episodes of Underbelly than I had seen. You, you go into the butcher shop, you hear the butchers talking about the damn show. Well, see, this is just so stupid. Uh, the suppression order. How how old are these laws? How often do they actually revise these laws so they can actually 
sync with the times that we live in. How on earth did they think they were going to get away with a suppression order of a television program in Victoria only? Yeah. It's just idiocy. I'm sorry. It's just idiocy. So what they didn't... had they heard of the internet? Did they know about DVDs? Did they have any idea how, how stupid this thing uh, this order was? But that was all the power that the court had because anywhere outside of Victoria was out of its jurisdiction. Well, I know. So it was completely pointless. So it was just basically yeah, just, just doing it for the sake of the gesture. I mean, either you have a ban nationwide and you institute some really heavy penalty so that if anyone is caught on TV showing the fact that they've actually got the, they've, they've got the thing on their, uh, on their homemade DVDs, unless you have a strict penalty for it, it's literally an example of the law being an ass because, you know, I can't meet anyone who hasn't seen it, who doesn't own it. Like I said, you know, butchers are talking about it while they, you know, they're cutting up your lamb shanks or whatever. You know, they're talking about this reminds me of a scene from episode four. You know what they're doing? You know, Jolly Galliana's getting his getting whacked. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just nuts. Anyway, I'm sorry, we, we went off topic there. Oh, that's the whole show. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so, so now you, you, mm. you're doing that. You're doing what you love. You, you're mm. watching TV. You're writing about it. You're uh, getting paid for it. And or not getting or paid not for, getting paid for it's it. Part, it's part it's of, my, part of it's part your job. job. It's part of my job. It's, yes. it's part of your yeah. job. Uh, and but at the same time, your opinions are uh, often quite controversial uh, in in the Green Guard. You're, you're yeah. often you're, you're in the often, Green because you've you've moved out away from film and TV reviewing into kind of a, a more uh, just kind of general column. I do that stuff as well. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. I, I'm still doing film, which, TV, which is definitely stirring up controversy. But yeah, I do but, other stuff as well. Sorry, go on. But that's but but in the Green Guard, you mm. you will often have well the Josie Pirelli incident from yeah. uh, for, from a few years ago. It's, what, what what did I say? <laughs> what did I say? All I said. What did I say? All I said was Josie, don't dance so much while you're showing a clip. The reason why she, and she's great. I mean, she's such a talented. Mm person and she's a go-getter and she's responsible for this wonderful show and she actually it was the most popular show on on c31 which was great yes. so all credit to her and i'm a big fan and she she knows i'm a big fan of hers uh, but all i said one little line josie you're going to show a film clip you know don't don't uh, have a little inset of you dancing it's kind of ruining the idea but then Jeez, the letters the letters that came into the green card yeah i know i got persecuted for that it was, what yeah. is what is the thing you've written that has caused the most letters to be written into the green guard i think i think that i think that might be it that might be the one um certainly of uh, just of recent times for sure um you know look i've said some stuff about abc uh, uh abc miniseries going into production before they should have been or because the, the they just came out badly because mm. they obviously hadn't been developed this is like a long long time ago uh when i was a full full-time staffer on green guide um you know we used to do some really fun and stories where we just sort of tackle can't things. criticize auntie oh sure can't. you can <laughs> sure you can east of east of east of interesting oh. east of everything sorry east of interesting what's what's going on that canal road um, well, that was, that was in, nine. Canal yeah, Road was Ken, nine. Canal Road was nine. But I'm just sort of saying, you know, that was a bad show on the ABC. That was a bad show on Show Online. You know, we'd usually are, we do very good with drama. But basically, just to just to to to, to, to address your point, um, it's you don't go out to be controversial. I don't think I'm controversial. I'm pretty conservative. But what usually gets reaction? Uh, Josh is um, when you're just honest about something. That's all it is. Um, it's literally a matter of just coming out and and 
writing stuff from the point of view of someone who just loves TV, who likes watching television and watching television as a television viewer, not as a a professional journalist. One of my criticisms of TV critiques in general, uh, so I'm not just being specific about the age, although certainly the age suffers from it as well, is that we tend not to... There's a difference between being a genuine television critic and a preview disc critic. We don't have enough outside-of-the-box thinking. Um, You know, sometimes, you know, there's something a little unusual, but too often what's reviewed is pretty much determined by what gets sent in. That's fine. You have to cover that as well. But I wish there was more more reviewing of, of the strange little show that's on at four in the morning or this weird show. Keep Your Enthusiasm, I guess, is a really good example. I was the first person to actually write about the show. I just happened to catch the first episode of that program uh, late one night. And I thought, what the hell is this? Next morning, I was bouncing in the office saying, you've got to see this show. And we called Channel 9. They sent us discs of it. They, of course, as is tradition, had this wonderful, wonderful program that they didn't promote. They just whacked it on. They, I don't know if they saw it. Uh, well, but well, you know, Ch- Channel Seven are doing that now with uh, "It's Always Sunny in California" uh, in I Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Show. yeah, I know it's incredible. I mean, just- and they and they started showing it from series two, which is the series that Danny DeVito yeah. came on for. He wasn't in the first series; he came on for the for the no, second series. They've definitely shown episodes without Danny DeVito. Have they? Previously, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's another example. They're twelve thirty at night. I don't it's- understand why. They, okay, look, keep it on at that time. For whatever reason, you've got to slot it there, slot it there. But run an ad. Let people know about it. But they do just tend to bury things, and that is really irritating. Yeah. And I guess just to address again, address an earlier point that you made about controversial in terms of responses, one of the most positive responses I got was when I reviewed the Ken Burns documentary, The War. Mm. This is another example. I mean, I absolutely you know, spit the chips on this one. I've been reading about it uh, in overseas publications. I've been watching stuff on YouTube. I've been watching. He appeared on Letterman, did this wonderful tour. They were just saying, you know, the, 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 the hype for this show was really, really starting to build. And it sounded great. It's Ken Burns, you know. So I'm waiting for, for this damn show to come out. So just by pure chance, one Sunday afternoon, I'm about to go out and I'm just sort of doing the usual channel serving thing. Flick, 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 flick. Suddenly I see this old geezer talking about his experience during the war. I think, gee, this sounds interesting. I start watching it, and I, I, I'm looking at the style going, this looks a little bit familiar to me. Sure enough, fade out. There's that signature typeface of the war with the red underline. I said, you've got to be kidding. It happened to be the first episode. Oh. And, I, and so I, I wrote it up. I wrote it up for that week, um, and then I put something online. We got this huge response from people online, which is another sort of great thing about online. You can get responses much quicker. Um, but the response we got to that was really strong. And that's just another example. Where, but see, that's not me sort of saying, oh, I'm going to now cause trouble. That's just me saying, this is a great show. Why haven't you let people know, you ABC blockheads? Come on, you have a good program. What do you get to lose? And this is, this is one of my problems with, uh, with the way television criticism was, or television reviewing, I couldn't even call it criticism, was at, at the age regular mm. for, for quite a long time with the... With the daily television columns that would appear in the Metro or yeah. M1 or whatever that section was called. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't want to mention any names. <coughs> I'm in Hughes. But uh, <laughs> n- no one wants to hear about how uh, an episode of 
blue healers reminds you of a time when you were selling lemonade as a child. Yeah. That's that's not television reviewing. Television reviewing is talking about the show and and what it means as a show mm. in and of itself. And there's not enough of that, I find. Well, Josh, what can I tell you? Everyone has their own style. My style happens to be that if you're watching a TV show, you ha- whatever the show is, you have to understand what kind of show it is, appreciate that, and judge it on its terms, on what it's trying to do. This is what, and this is something, let me give you two quick examples, okay, in terms of strong response. One was, and I mentioned this to you earlier, about Funniest Home Videos, Australia's Funniest Home Videos. I was the first person in the age, possibly in Australia, to actually give that show a positive review. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a big deal, but it was like someone had come out. You know, and I just said, this is a really funny show. This all blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to mean anything. It's just funny. People are just sharing funny moments with everyone else, and there's no agenda there. There's no, doesn't, it's just, it's just funny. The response we got from that, from people saying, thank God someone's put it out there. Yes, yes, yes. People are sort of hiding the fact. Same with Bold and the Beautiful. I once did a review of that, and people just came out and said, yeah, I really, I watched that show too, but I don't tell anyone about it <laughs> because I'm supposed to be embarrassed. What's to be embarrassed about? It's a good show. Um, the other example, oh, yeah, Big Brother, which is probably in its final year this year. Look, Thankfully. eight years, eight years, it's, it, it's done. It's, 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 I think it's, the- it's had its run. But I actually spent two years. I watched that show for two years. Um, Every week, I reviewed it every week. I did uh, quite a few features on it. And the purpose behind that was that I know that everyone rolls their eyes when they talk about Big Brother because it's supposed to be lowest common denominator, trash, worthless, blah, 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 blah. I don't think it's... I'm not a fan of the show, but I wanted to investigate what value there is. Is it completely meritless or is there something more to it? That is a counterintuitive approach to take. Uh, given the TV reviewing culture that we have. To, mm. you know, it just jump on the bandwagon. It's much easier. I thought, no, I'm going to go the other way. I just want to actually give this show a fair shot and actually watch it the way a normal viewer would watch it, not the way a, a television critic would watch it, which is, you know, watch it once every six months and then just recite the usual cliches. So I did. And I would still, I would argue that there is value to the show. The show does have merit. I think that it's probably come to the end of its life. But when it does come to the end of its life, everyone is going to have to acknowledge the fact that the show is part of the culture. It's part of popular culture. It's been on air for eight years. That's longer than that's longer than Prisoner was on mm. air. You know, that's a long run. So love it, hate it, indifferent to it. You at least have to acknowledge the fact that you know it is part of the culture. I'm not saying it necessarily reflects. Good, good parts of the culture, but it does deserve to some degree to be taken more seriously than that often is, especially by journalists. Which is, I say the mm. same thing about Hey Dad. Mm. Hey Dad, at its time, was the longest running most episodes mm. of any sitcom in the world. 180, 190? Yeah, some, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now, now that's been... Uh, that, uh, that's been taken over. But not by an Australian sitcom. But not by an Australian sitcom. You know what? That's, you know, that's a really good point that you should actually bring that up because, well, how many Australian sitcoms have we had in the last 10 years since the demise of that show? Again, love it, hate it, make you know yet another joke about the, the what is the fat kid on it or the, the who's the, the, the idiot Nudge guy? Or, yeah. Nudge, yeah. You know, 
forget about that. That show worked. That show knew sitcom. And one thing that Australian television has completely failed at, certainly in the last, at least the last 10 years, it's, is, is its inability to produce quality sitcom that reflects culture. doesn't matter how corny or how cliched or how stereotypical a sitcom is. That's how sitcoms work. And they do reflect the culture. And because we don't have them, we have just lost a large part of our national story that could be we could be seeing in sitcoms. We're just not seeing. And it's so. it's something that Gary Riley did very well with, with, with Kingswood Country and, and yeah. with, with Hey Dad. Uh, it's also something that and and not a lot of people gave this enough uh, respect. I think that Colin Carpenter's sitcom that was a, was a good really show. good show. That I went was an I went to show. see a, a couple of tapings of it. Really funny. Some really good writing there. Some great characters, mm. and uh, also quite cheap to make. It was three it was, walls. It was it was a perfect. It was the it was three walls, three actors. That's it. Perfect, perfect example of this is all you need is was just a standard three waller. Three walls, few actors, great scripts, very funny. Um, you know, a terrific central character. That show worked. And for some reason, we have just dropped the ball with sitcoms. Now, again, of course, you know, you, it's a sitcom for crying out loud. It's not Shakespeare. Although, just to digress for a second, I still, I still hold to my theory that if Shakespeare was alive today, he would not be writing plays. No. He would be, he'd be in television it or he'd be in people's film. people's theatre. Absolutely. But, you know, and, you know, and Colin Carpenter reflected aspects of Australian suburbia, mm. as did Hey Dad. But now, you know, we have nothing. We, have, we haven't had decent, you know, a decent sitcom in such a long time. I know everyone talks about Kath and Kim, and that is a good show, but everyone always quotes the exception as though it's the rule. And it's not. It is almost an aberration given the lack of everything else. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a very difficult time. Why didn't we have a version of Love Thy Neighbour in this country? God, that would have been so great. We did. We had Love Thy Neighbour Down Under. No, I mean, came Astra- down no and- I mean an Australian version. Oh, where, yeah. you have, where you have an Australian family and you have uh, an Aboriginal family living next to them. The closest thing we had was uh, Neville the Concrete Aborigine out front of the Bullpits house. Mm-hmm. That's, not, you know, that, that's not enough. You <laughs> no, know. It's, it's but, you know, there's that, you know we, could have, we could have adapted that. You know, I mean, the Americans did it so successfully. I don't know why we, you know, why we didn't do more of that kind of stuff, as well as just developing original ideas that were so specific to Australia. Which we did with uh, with shows like Home Sweet Home, mm. uh, which was uh, was one of the first shows to talk about the migrant experience in yeah. Australia. Acropolis Now was another good Acropolis sitcom. Now that was, was a very good sitcom and, and very successful yeah. in its in its time. Now I'm having all this really all these really bad sort of flashes about all the shows that didn't work. I'm thinking after the beep, Greeks on the and, roof. So what was the other one? Greeks on the roof, pizza. Oh, pizza's good. I like pizza. I'll I'll, 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 I'll defend pizza. But what was that other one? What was that awful... What was that David Williamson... um, Dog's Head Bay. Oh! Oh! Whoa! Talk about the non-transferability <laughs> of talent. Oh, my God. That was He writes a great play. He writes a good film script. But, boy, when it came to the sitcoms, whew. Well, that was a, a co-production with Hal McElroy as well. Yeah, I know. Was, that was... Uh, um, yeah, that there was... Are, there are some insider stories about what went on with that show. Yeah. Uh, about uh, money, a, a lot of money being spent on the show, not a lot of it actually being spent on the show. Right. But uh, on certain people's oh, pockets. I thought you were going to talk about some computer virus that was sort of attacking his computer that was just eating away all the jokes. Oh, no. That was a- just, that was just, I mean, there was a show called After the Beep, which was bad. 
But then you, and it was, it was really bad. But then you saw Dogs Head Bay, and it's like Australian, it's like oh. with bad Australian film. You see something that you think, it can't get any worse than this. And then a short time later, you see something, and you go, that thing I was talking about before, Citizen Kane compared to what I'm looking at <laughs> now. So, so which was worse, uh, that or Sit Down Shut Up? Sit Down Shut Up, now which one was that? That, was, that, one? that was Channel 10, uh, Mark Downey, uh, Stephen Curry, uh, who else is in it? Uh, is Michael Veach. Michael, yeah, Michael Veach was in it. It was school. Uh, about teachers at school. Hang on, Brett. We don't have time for, uh, for for letters to box cutters. Do you want? While Jim's thinking, do you want to play the pork? Play the pork theme, pork? and we'll uh, yeah. Pork's, What's pork? Pork's the end of the show where we put all the bits that uh, that didn't have a, a segment in them. Okay. So essentially, pretty much the entire show okay. Jim has has been pork. But let's just make it official. Hey, um, when I cast my pod. It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. And we're back with uh, with Pork and uh, Jim. You, you've been thinking about sit down, shut up. I, I don't you, think you I saw that show. I might have 10, been spared that show, which is being remade in the states as an animation. <laughs> a failed Australian sitcom is being remade in America. I don't believe you. By, By Mitch Hurwitz. Yeah, I, sorry guys, you're, you're pulling Arrested me here. Development. You're pulling, you're pulling yes. my leg. With Jason Bateman. Yeah, Jason Bateman's yeah, doing sure. a voice in it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You, let me, yeah, you, you let me know when it's on the air and I'll look it up, then I'll believe you. Okay, a I'll failed win. Australian sitcom is being remade in America as an animated show. Yep. Yeah, yeah. By, <laughs> By Mitch Hurwitz. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll believe the ending of the new Indiana Jones movie too. Okay? <laughs> oh my God, look at this. Oh, it's Close Encounters. Oh, the rest of it was fun. Was it really? You didn't like it? No, it's because no. you sit too far back and in the corner. No, no, no. I just, you know, it's, it no, was just, fun. It didn't work. I just did. Well, when I say it didn't work, it's a silly thing to say. The thing has gone mozza, as it was supposed to. You know, there's, it's really weird. We're talking about film now. It's just okay. We've gone way that's, outside the that's brief. That's okay, because I'm going to... I will bring it back. I've got a segue for okay. later, but quick. Okay. Oh, well, just quickly. I mean, look, it's just, you know, the one word that no one has used in reviewing this, this film is the one word that is just screamingly obvious. It's cynical. It's cynical. It's a cynical movie. It's just, it's a cash-in. Why have they waited so long? You know, it's, it's a cash-in. I know there are all these stories about how they developed it. They're looking for the right idea. The movie's a cash-in. You know, if they were sincere about it, they would have made one every three or four years like with the Bond movies. Um, which is, just, which you know. was the original uh, in- intention with yeah. Indiana Jones was that it would be a Bond-style yeah. thing. They yeah. wanted to and make... they didn't. I just think it's, it's, it's a really cynical movie and it comes across like that. And for crying out loud, Kate Blanchett, God bless her, she's a terrific actress... But not in this. Um, you know, just, where that, that accent is just all over the show. A little bit of scenery chewing. A little yeah. bit. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, tiny I know, bit but, of scenery yeah, but she can't hold a gun. She yeah. can't hold a gun. She's like Claire Danes <laughs> in Terminator 3. Girl, if you're going to hold an automatic weapon, hold it like you mean it. You know, she's, she's, she's walking around with this thing like she's holding a vacuum cleaner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah, but you know, but it doesn't matter. It's one of these critic-proof movies. It's so heavily marketed, and because the brand name is just held in such high esteem, and people love it so much, they have flocked to it anyway. And the thing has gone absolutely crazy. And just hope if they do make another one, I just hope they make another one more promptly. And it just has more action in it. Too much yapping in this movie. Well, is that on the cards? So are they so, going to continue on with the, the franchise? Yeah, yeah. I th- well. I, there's, there's the, the possibility, but then who knows? Mm. But talking about film and and your time at TV Week reminds me of the great 
late Ivan Hutchison. Oh, yes. Who uh, I basically, I grew up watching Ivan's uh, Face to Face, midday, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the midday movie on Channel 7. Uh, he was, to, to me, everything that you've been talking about uh, with TV criticism, TV reviewing, he was for, for film because he took something that he loved, something that he loved to do, and always reviewed as an audience member, not as a reviewer, and uh, and looked at film with, with love and based each film on its own merits and in its own market. Absolutely. Which I think is the way you, you need to look at television, Absolutely. which is the, the way that you do. He was the film reviewer for TV Week when I started there, and... I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the first time I met him, it was, it was an honour to meet this guy because, again, I'd seen, been seeing him on TV for years and I was a big fan of his and I used to read his stuff. And, you know, the day when the day came to actually meet him, I was introduced to him and it was a big moment in my life. And, of course, then when I started working at The Age, I would meet him on a regular basis and I would sit down and have coffees with him. And I've got some – I still have these wonderful photographs that I've – you know, that, that I have in my files – uh, that I took of him, and he was just a great guy. Apart from you know being a terrific reviewer, he was such a warm uh, person. He was a, such a warm human being, and he loved. He just loved film. And you're right. The whole point about judging something and watching something um, uh, for what it is, which is why I brought up the funniest home videos thing, just sort of you know half jokingly. You know, people who poo-poo that show, people who poo-poo. Uh, Big Brother, people who poo-poo, you know, you know, border security or whatever, automatically. Um, I think that they're doing it because they're just trying to sort of, they're just subscribing to what they think the general mindset is of their peer group or, or, or of their profession. If you actually sit down and watch these shows for what they are and judge them on that on on that basis, I think you end up with, I think, a far more worthwhile a piece of writing and a, and a far more interesting opinion, which is why I'll watch a board of security. I love that show. And yes, I have time recorded it. Um, you know, I, this is, this is something that I've never done. You know, we, we had Jared McCulloch on the show, uh, what, uh, also about a year ago. And, uh, he was talking about how he loves, how much he loves border security because we record this show on a Monday night. I've never seen it. And because I've never seen it, it's not in my mind to set it up on the IQ to, to mm. record. Uh, but I have to watch this show one time because, and Channel Seven don't send out preview discs of it for some reason. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, I, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I want to know what this bit of popular mm. culture is all about, and you know that it's incredibly successful. Yes. Well, you watch the show, and you realise you begin to understand why it's successful. Now, whether you like it or not is is one thing, but understanding why something is successful is something else. It's quite possible, you know, it's, it's perfectly feasible and, and perfectly plausible to say you don't like something, yet understand that it's either going to be a success or that it is a success. Um, just because you say something's bad doesn't automatically mean that you think it will fail. People still make that mistake. I've, yeah. I've digressed a little bit here. But Border Security is a great example of watching a show and enjoying it for what it is, but it also gives you an insight into why it's so popular. And the reason why it's so popular in my regard is because it does absolutely tap into the Australian mindset that in this age of terror that we live in, we have to guard our borders. And we like seeing people who we employ as taxpayers doing their job. So when you see, you know, the, the, the family coming from, you know, whatever country and they've got suitcases full of 
friggin', you know, weeds and, you know, they've got shafts of wheat and they've got, you know, you know, you know, dismembered donkey parts and, and you know, sides of beef. They've got dried fish wrapped in bubble wrap, you know, in next to their underwear and they're coming in and the board of security person's here with the, you know, with the little declaration form and they're filled out. They go, you realise that you've, you've, Nothing to declare here, and everything you've got here is absolutely illegal as listed here. That's not only entertaining to see, but I think it also plays into this. It, it also addresses the mindset people have as they want to see people doing their job. Now, they, they want to see our borders protected from dried fish. Well, exactly, you know, and all the other contraband they're trying to get in. And also, look, it's just straight old fashioned conflict. Reality TV shows, good ones, of course, are just, you know, uh, you know they. The, the what drives them is conflict and you love to see someone who's trying to get away with something or who's trying to use their ignorance or their stupidity as a defense against trying to do something wrong you like to see him getting paid out so you know it's an entertaining show to watch in any case but as well as that there is this wonderful other aspect that it's actually just playing to the times that we live in that you know we need our, you know, we need our borders to be protected, and here are the people doing their job. And I know that it's co-produced by whatever it is, the customs department or whatever it is they have cooperation with these mm, people. And you know, and good on them. I really enjoy, I enjoy that show a great deal, and I understand why it's popular. You now, know, now, Jim, uh, have uh, Channel Seven as yet approached you to be on Star Dances? Uh, no, no, not yet. Now, this is yeah. see. Now, this is a show that I've not seen a lot of. I, yep. I, I basically keep up with it mainly by watching the ads yep. and by listening to the fallout of the show. But this is not something... I, I'm always right across it because it runs over uh, five to ten minutes every week. Right. Uh, and I watch always All Saints. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you know, so, I'm always catching the end of it. So I always know who's just been kicked off. Right. So, like, Dancing with the Stars. Star Dancers. This, this is, is, that, is that what the, the new title? Or no, 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 no. That's, that's just what we call you it. You call it, okay. Star Dancers. As See, opposed to uh, So You Think You Can Dance Australia, which is Pleb Dancers. Right. Ple- okay. Pleb Dancers and Star, Star Dancers. Dancers. Right. Now, as we heard last week, uh, it looks like uh, the host for that... Uh, I'm just blanking on his note. Shane Bourne, right, is uh, going to host. Is this, the word? Th- th- this is why I would I could never be a TV executive because I would have, if someone had come to because the show is a huge success, massive success, massive success. If someone had come to me with with that concept and said, "Hey, this is an idea. Here's an idea for a TV show," I would have laughed in their face and I would have said, "This is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Not just stupid, but stupid even for TV. Get the hell out of here." They would have gone somewhere else. It would have been a big hit, and I would have been fired anyway. Um, but I would, I would here's, not have imagined that show to be a hit. Here's a, here's a tip for you. Mm. Every five to ten years, Jim. So w- when you become a TV executive, mm. you'll need to know this. Every five to ten years, there has to be a resurgence of ballroom dancing in some form or another. You think so? So if, if the time comes and there hasn't been anything for a while, mm-hmm. and you get pitched an idea for something to do with ballroom dancing, right. if it's kids doing ballroom dancing, or if it's stars, or if it's whatever, you pick up that product okay. and you run with it. Although okay. if we go back a couple of years, uh, what was the name of the show on Friday nights that Paul McDermott was hosting? Uh, Strictly Dancing. or That's right, Strictly Dancing, that's right. Yes, um, I had the soundtrack. Which was running concurrent with the uh, Star Dancers. Uh, for, for a short time, yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, but yes, that's, that started that before that. That was a good show. 
I reviewed that a couple of times. Yeah, sorry, the, sorry, the, the Pomodoro has. Well, and yeah. that was that was just ballroom dancers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ballroom dancers paired up with. Uh, there was no gimmick to it. No, it was no, just no. a straight out competition. Yes. That was good, and he was a good host, and he is a good host. I like uh, the fact that Good News Week is back. But so, ballroom dancers, uh, the ballroom dancing is a big thing. Bo- so once this wave goes, ballroom dancing, and uh, and then in in the intermediate time, yeah, uh, ice dancing. Ice, okay, so dancing of some sort. Dancing okay, of some to, sort. Ice dancing. Okay, now really? what we're going to do, guys, okay, we have to combine. Okay, here's the brainstorming, okay. What we're going to do is we're going to combine what's hot, which is the ballroom dancing, ice dancing, dancing thing, okay, mm-hmm. with the rebirth of the Australian sitcom. So what we're going to do is that we have to set a three-waller Australian sitcom in a ballroom. Okay, so this with, is it. So with, next, yeah. so, so uh, uh, an in a ballroom, mm-hmm. and then next door is there an Aboriginal family? We could do that. <laughs> Aboriginal family, an Aboriginal, a family of Aboriginal ballroom dancers on ice. It's, okay. Hang, hang on, hang on. Hello, got, SBS. Yep, yep get hello, it. Oh, hello. my God, they'll be so SBS, over this. hello. They will be into this, like, my God. You get Julie Zamira in there as the teacher, Okay. Uh, they'll, they'll they'll buy. That's that's got to be. Oh, oh what? So oh, SBS don't want to take my call. Oh, we'll, don't worry. We'll, we'll we'll get on to them later. Well, maybe there maybe that's why uh, Channel Nine has uh, signed up Roberta Williams. Maybe that this is what they've got in mind. That's Ch- great. Channel Nine has After signed a, up. What Channel Seven? Can you straighten me out on this? What, straighten me out on this, guys. What's going on? What is she going to do? Hang on, just. Go back to, to square one. What's happening? What is she doing? Channel 9 is understood to have won a big gun battle with Channel 7 to sign up Roberta Williams to a TV deal, cashing in on her underbelly fame. A TV deal doing what? Sorry, the next sentence. Uh, nothing in particular at, doing at what? this point. It's, um, she, she just was, a deal. She was very... Uh, She's going to be hosting the cricket show uh, j- during, during tea. Uh, you can do an Australian <laughs> version of, of Ramsey's uh, Kitchen Nightmares. You know. She's been Roberta's. on a current affair a couple of times. Yeah, no, and but, and but, apparently she's been seen to be good TV talent. Okay, They don't have anything for her to yeah, do. Yeah, this is the question. Do you think that they actually have a TV show concept stroke idea for her? No. Or do you think they just went out and said, just make a deal with her? We'll think of a show later. Channel that's, 7 won't be able to use it. That's the mm. Channel 9 way. But of Jim, course... It's, it's what they yeah. did with Bert. Yeah, yeah. Sign just, him. Just sign him up. Sign him. We'll work out something right. later. Here that's, we go. Okay, of course, guys, once, once Channel it. 9 listens to uh, this episode... Mm. Here we go. You show okay. concepts up. So, we've got three Waller sitcom, Aboriginal family of ballroom dancers with Roberta Williams as the... As the, she is the as, teacher. Julie Zemira can be like a guest star or something. We can have her as 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 the teacher, maybe, or or, or, or the uh, the lodger upstairs. The lo- the, keep possibly. it down. Yeah, she could be the keep it down. Or maybe, and they, why does she keep getting this phone call so late at night? You know, maybe they could sort of bring in a bit of underbelly, sort of mystique to it. Yeah. Perhaps we're developing. We need a title though, or something. You know, Roberta, uh, Roberta's dances or something. 
you know, uh, you know, Roberta's oh. Roberta's twirlers. Or oh, uh, well, you know, we, we we'll work on this. You know, strictly, Williams Williams stri- Waltz, strictly Roberta. Oh, how about that? That's so nice. she's so she's now going to be on Channel Nine in some capacity. Some twenty to one. It's da, 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 yeah, yeah, da, 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 get she's away. She's on the payroll. She's, she's get she's away. On the payroll. She's, What's she going to do? She's going to be doing. What's she going to do? Is this what we pass as a celebrity now? I can't believe <laughs> that's this. it. What is she famous for? For being Carl Williams' ex-wife. But that's the. And that's a celebrity now, for crying out loud. See, if Cat Stewart hadn't done such a good job in Undervalley, uh, she wouldn't have had this, uh, this... Yeah, but we don't know that because we haven't seen the show. This is just getting insane now. Put her on a reality TV show. Get all the... Oh, get all the wives and all oh, the crims. No, no, you, you know what we should do yeah. is we should get Roberta Williams and Cat Stewart and then all, all the other actor, the actresses who, who, played, who played wives on... Uh, on Underbelly mm-hmm. and the actual wives put them in a house 24 hour <laughs> camera right. and just tell them somewhere in the house hidden in the house is an automatic pistol ah. first one that finds it <laughs> wins <laughs> well, that's the, an idea yeah that'll work so what's she going to do she's going to be reading the news this is just, just, just nuts no she's going to be doing this is official it's not a getaways. prank it's not a prank you guys are pulling on me getaway spots from Frankston Jim that's <laughs> that's what she's going to be doing um, Davies Hill she can tell us you know point she, out all the areas of cultural interest she and know? Coxie are going to be doing the uh, mm. the the great Coxie's Channel 7 oh is he yeah, uh, yeah there has been some speculation she may host a reality series of offering help to street kids Offer, she's offering help to street kids. Help, help just, in the form of little baggies of smack. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't no. say that. No, I'm just, I'm just. You speculating on the she show. wouldn't bother suing you. No. She'd, she'd have other means of. of she'd have, have other courses of action. She'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Mm. that's that's extraordinary. But I mean, it just shows just just how how much longer is the celebrity culture going to I mean how how much lower can we go now I thought we were scraping the bottom of the barrel and it looks like we've actually scraped through the barrel and the hand is now d- reaching for the floor now we're actually now are so desperate for celebrities we're now actually signing up people like this unless there's, there's a, a juicy, prank there's well, a juicy pickle there somewhere it yeah, does seem so. it does seem that star dancers is in uh, somewhat of a, a pickle uh, because they can't get celebrities to sign up uh, apparently oh, they've been uh, trying to get Carson Cressley to, uh, right. to sign up. Um, also, another one is uh, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon yeah, Ramsay dancing. That's Gordon Ramsay dancing. As if they're gonna they're gonna get Gordon Ramsay, who has I th- three Pretty television sure. shows on. The F word, Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, and Hell's Kitchen. Mm. Is he actually working on any of those at the moment? And he runs twenty six restaurants mm-hmm. worldwide. Mm. F words not. On, sorry, I interrupted. Sorry. F words on. It's not on TV. Yeah, it's on TV here. Is it uh, on uh, on lifestyle food? Oh, but it's not on free to wear. It's not on free to wear. But he's still on three nights on Channel. He's 9, on three nights on Channel Tuesday, Nine. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But but he is producing three television shows. Right. And how is he? They're not. Gonna, they're dreaming. Telling they're dreaming. Then again, then again, having him facing a panel. Trying to dress him down for not dancing well. Imagine what his response would be. Well, he'd, he'd, he'd get make him a judge. Have you seen any of Celebrity Apprentice? Jim? No, I haven't it's, seen any of that. No, because oh, it's uh, Fox that's, Eight. You don't. Have, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, not out yet. I'll wait uh, a couple well, of free to wear. 
<laughs> it's not going to come to free to Why not? Because Channel Nine just won't show it. Well, firstly, they don't have the rights to it, mm. and uh, and secondly, they they just don't care about uh, Apprentice anymore. They don't care about pretty much any Mark it's Bennett production on anymore. Itself. It's feeding on itself. See, the, it's feeding on itself now. See, we, so we've got we had the Apprentice, in which Donald Trump became a celebrity, and it turned the young business wannabes into celebrities or semi-celebrities. Yes. So now we've actually got celebrities on the celebrity show. Yes, on, and, on the show that produces celebrities. Actually, the, now they're coming ready-made as celebrities. On and the one of the celebrities mm. on Celebrity Apprentice is mm. a former contestant from The Apprentice. Okay, who who became celebrity because she's a number. And there's that show, get, get Me a Celebrity, I'm Out of Here. Or yeah, what, get, get Me Out of Here, get I'm me a Celebrity. Out of here, I'm a celebrity, or Get Me Out, what is it called? Yeah, that's actually quite fun. I haven't get, had, I've, uh, I've, I'm a I've celebrity, get that. me out of here. I've not seen that. So it's quite fun. That, however... Brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode oh, 134. How could we not mention that, uh, that Gordon Ramsay, while we're talking of him, mm-hmm. is uh, eating the contestant's thumb, according to this article? I read that. What's, what's the rest what? of that story? Yeah, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit blown up, really. Uh, oh, no, the- I, saw, I saw this bit of Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen contestant Matt accidentally cut off the tip of his thumb while preparing pancetta stuffing for a quail. Uh, Ramsay realised what had happened. He told the team... To carry on, and then sampled the dish and gave it the thumbs up. Oh, but he didn't eat the thumb. That's he sampled terrible. it. He may have eaten the thumb. Oh god, it's a he didn't stretch. make them no. fish it out. I want to say I'm, I'm a little bit defensive. I, I, I like Gordon Ramsay. I like those oh, shows. So do I. Even though he's a cannibal, I'm a junkie. He's not a cannibal. Kitchen Nightmares is a Kitchen Nightmares is a great show. Hell's Kitchen, I'm not too fond of, but Kitchen Nightmares, I think, is a great show. Jim, a show I have to get you onto, and uh, I might try to get you a, a copy of it somehow. Is Top Chef? I think oh, yeah. uh, I think you'd, you'd really get across Top Chef again. It's only on uh, Lifestyle Food. Oh, now it's on Arena on Foxtel. But uh, the latest version in, in the states has uh, has also been really good. I'll try Top to- Shelf I will look out for because one of the good things about Green Guide is that they do get a lot of uh, pay TV stuff on disc. Yep. So uh, I can still keep an eye. So on yeah, you look out for Top it. Top Chef. On Top Chef. All right. It's it's. Excellent. Right. It's not Top Gun meets something no, no, in the no. kitchen, is it? Okay. No. It's just, not. Just just checking. No. I want to say thanks very much to Mark Edwards, who uh, we spoke to on the phone from Ice TV. I also want to say thanks to Jim Shambri, our wonderful co-host, filling in for Ross this week. And in for the special double episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the special double episode that no box cutter listener should miss. <laughs> I also want to say thanks to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. We didn't have a giveaway this week. We might have one next week if we can come up with a question. Uh, they make bags and they give them to us to give to you, the listener. So good on them. I also want to say thanks very much to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. And also for this week's soundtrack from uh, Whitley. Yes, thanks very much to Whitley for uh, for blasting through the walls. Uh, if you liked this show, you can email us, hooray, at boxcutters.net. Check out the blog at boxcutters.net. Comment on the blog, tell us what you thought of the episode, tell us your opinions, that's what it's there for, and uh, write us letters, and we will have a letters to box cutters next week, so hooray at boxcutters.net. And also, if you enjoyed this show and want other people to enjoy the show, please go onto the iTunes Music Store, go onto the Box Cutters page there, and write a little review of Box Cutters. It will help other people find the show that you, hopefully, enjoy so much. 
Uh, a number of people have done that, and we have risen in the rankings on the box cutters. Uh, sorry, on the iTunes film, film and, and TV, TV page. Uh, which what is, number are we now? Uh, we're I think we're number twelve on that page. Uh, so we're we're doing we're doing well. We're getting up there. So please go onto the iTunes Music Store and write a review. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. My name is Jim Shembury, and thank you very much for having me on your wonderful program. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.